I came to personal faith in Jesus Christ on a Friday night at a, at a volleyball game. Uh, it was a church social and I had just met some Christian friends and, and so I, the first time I heard an invitation, I, I said, yes, that's what I want for my life. That was Friday night. Sunday night I went to church. And uh, Sunday morning I went to church. And Monday morning my friends at high school said, Jim went to church. Jim went to church. And, um, and for some reason I was embarrassed. I think you understand that. If you've been living in one sort of uh, you know, culture for a while where nobody goes to church. And when you start, whoa, do they start to pile it on. And uh, my my faith wasn't criticized. I, I think my activities were, um, but over the years, I've I, I must admit that there have been words said to me and actions done towards me. If I would have been a little wiser as a young Christian, I, I might not have lost all the friends that I did uh, as a new Christian. Um, and I've tried to make some of those up uh, when I was in college, but. I think we need to understand that it does happen. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, then there are some implications. Uh, And some of those would be the people who do not and do not understand you. And as we've been talking about the different worldviews in in our uh, societies today, as we've been looking about those, uh, uh, they see no reason and they have uh, for them to go to church and probably have many reasons why they shouldn't. And, and, and so if you are in conversing with these people and you mention church, Jesus, faith, whatever, uh, uh, they're going to probably speak up or stop talking to you about that subject. Uh, I have found that when I'm getting into an argument it's with people about my faith and their lack of it, that they will do their philosophy with me. They'll do their emotional arguments, you know, like, uh, uh, I hate everybody who says they're a Christian because they're all hypocrites. And, and then also those who've had bad experiences in churches. Hey, I've been a Christian since 1965. I've had bad experiences in churches. Probably you have too, right? It, it doesn't always work out uh, perfectly as we would like it. And what I've tried to do is I've uh, studied more and more the Judeo-Christian worldview, and that's what we're talking about, worldviews, not so much faith. As I've discovered that, uh, I, I know now how to engage other people who are from a different worldview, and I know the questions to ask them. And I come well armed, knowing sometimes, well, certainly a lot more about my worldview than they know about my worldview, the Judeo-Christian one. And unfortunately, sometimes I know a lot more about their worldview than they do. And I bring up facts and stuff like that. That you know, and, and I said, did you know? Did, did you hear? And, and I try never to get into an argument. But instead, I want to have people rethink the validity of the wrong ideas that they are carrying around. Wrong ideas about their current worldview and their wrong ideas about Jesus of Nazareth. Now, I live in a country where our Constitution specifically states there'll be no establishment of a state religion, uh, nor is there going to be any law written to prohibit freedom of religion. So I cannot be jailed for following Jesus, and that's a good thing, okay? So most of the, uh, uh, the opposition that comes to me is verbal. Yet, all over the world, I want you to know that uh, the lives of Jews and Christians 
are in danger. They suffer criticism, ridicule, punitive treatment such as extra taxes, and even personal, uh, uh, physical persecution uh, for their faith in Christ Jesus. There's a picture that we're trying to show. This is Miriam Abram, Abraham. She's uh, from Ethiopia, uh, no, Somalia, and uh, she is a Christian. And she was imprisoned with her two boys, well, one boy to begin with, uh, and then she had her second boy in prison. And it doesn't show the whole view. I mean, and first of all, it's grainy because it was taken illegally of her and smuggled out. And it doesn't show everything, but if you saw the whole view of her, she is chained to her bed because she will not deny Jesus Christ. Political pressure was put against Somalia, and she is now set free and living in the United States, reunited with her husband. Here's the next one, Saeed Abedini. He looks with his family, uh, American in every way, doesn't he? I could swear he's an Albanian, uh, but he's not. He's an Iranian, okay? And he and his family are uh, in the United States, but he is a missionary and a pastor to the established Christian religion, okay, in Iran. In other words, Iran says they allow Christians to exist. But because he talks about Jesus, he was put in prison. And uh, pressure is being put on there. As you know, we have wonderful relationships with Iran right now. Uh, pressure is being put on there. But what is happening is, is that the Iranian government continues to put him in a series of prisons that are so brutal that most of the inmates do not survive their sentence. They don't. They're not executed. They die in prison. I want you to understand that this is not uncommon in the political arenas of our world, and especially in Muslim and atheistic dictatorships. And among the Muslim and uh, atheistic dictatorships, North Korea is the worst atheistic one, and right now ISIS, uh, even though it's not formally recognized, is the worst Muslim one. And as we come to the end of our series of the four predominant worldviews in Western culture, I, I want you to grasp this. I mean, even though you live in a country of great freedom and, and you can express and, and both your, your deep faith and your, your doubts of faith, you can do all of that. Your personal faith in Jesus makes you a stranger and a foreigner in your own country. Know that. Your personal faith in Jesus makes you a stranger and a foreigner. And sometimes you're wondering, well, how can I, why can't I just talk about Jesus? Because you're a stranger and a foreigner. You go, well, the times are terrible. How could it ever be so bad as this? Friends, you remember Noah? Friends, do you remember, I mean, this goes back to Genesis. And do you remember Abraham? You know why he didn't live in Sodom and Gomorrah? Because he wanted to remain close to God. He lived as a stranger and a foreigner in the land we now call Israel. And, and as he traveled along, there, there were many opportunities to, to live within the other culture, but he had to separate himself so he could be a God worshiper. It's just human history. And it starts at the very beginning in Genesis, and it continues all the way through our time today until Christ returns. So 
Our faith, even though we say we're limited even here in the United States, I want you to know that our faith is expanding at a rate that's hard to calculate. But when it does expand, our worldview is going to clash, not just sometimes, but always, always at other key points uh, with, uh, with the, with the uh, other worldviews that, that, that we are confronting. We, we don't mix with them. Instead, we speak Jesus Christ, and because we speak Jesus Christ, there is oppression. I just got this back today. Or, or yesterday afternoon as I was uh, looking through something. In China today, mainland China, communist China, the number of Christians is more, is 20 million more people than the number of those registered in the Communist Party. Get that 20 million. Now in China, that's just, you know, a little bit. But still, in the Communist Party, there's this many. Known Christians are this many. So the worldview is expanding. And if you're wondering, what was going up in Hong Kong with all those demonstrations? Friends, the highest concentration of Christians in China has been Hong Kong. And they want democracy, among other things. So understand that wherever we find ourselves expanding, there will always be oppression. And... and, uh, the oppression or the suspicion has been continuing ever since the days of Israel, since the Christ followers of Jerusalem, the persecution by many of the Caesars. And wherever Christians are penetrating a new culture with the gospel, there is opposition. Sometimes Christians stand and fight, and sometimes they win. But at other times, Christians have become martyrs, and they still win big time because the faith and the kingdom continues to expand. It is when we are uh, uh, the faith in power, if you look at history, when the Christian faith is the faith that mixes with the governmental power, that, that's often the time in which Christians lose their perspective and, and, and lose prestige in the sight of the people. So over the years, have we, in, in the centuries, have we, certain movements that, that are sort of black eyes that these uh, non-believers always bring up to me? Yes, there have been some. However, I happen to study the history of them, and I know more than they do. Maybe I know a little bit more than you do. First thing that always comes up is, the Crusades, the Crusades, the Crusades. Yeah, man, weren't they great? Uh, And then I simply say, you know, because I was at the First Crusade, I'm older than you, did you know that the only reason for the First Crusade was to open up the Holy Land? the Christian pilgrims, so they could worship there again? Did you know that the reason for the first crusade is that all Christians had been thrown out of Israel and Jerusalem by the Muslims? Well, how about the second crusade? Yeah, okay, I get that. And the sixth and the seventh and the eighth. Uh, Then they say, well, how about the Inquisition? Oh, yeah, I was there too, by the way. Uh, Between, uh, I think, about 1480 and 1700, the counter-reformation uh, movement uh, had some very severe treatment of those who did not agree with the, with, with the universal Catholic faith. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, they were Jews. Uh, other times, they were Protestants. Uh, and any other sort of people that would not agree with them, uh, with the Holy Catholic Church. Well, the... Uh, 
what, what is not known is that um, in those uh, in those two hundred and like twenty years of of, uh, uh, of the Inquisition, the number of people that were actually killed was about like this. Now, everyone should not have been killed for their faith. I, I would agree. But the number was like this. In fact, the total number in over 220 years was um, listed as 860. More than that, uh, it was the government who did the execution, and many of the priests were the ones helping people hide and helping people escape. (laughs) But then that doesn't come up. Why? Because it didn't come up in high school last time you had history. Then they say, well, what about slavery? And I go, yeah, I was there too. And did you know what stopped slavery? No, what stopped slavery? Well, it started with the complaints of Christian missionaries in Africa and Asia. And they complained back to the governments in England. And by the missionaries and the governments working together, uh, slavery was first stopped in England, the slave trade. They could no longer trade slaves, even though they had already banned slavery in that country. And then that began to spread to other places. You see, true Christianity has always been more tolerant than the most political than, than most political movements. Um, so, whether it was the slavery or the Inquisition or the Crusades, uh, the idea was that when the church remained somewhat separate from the government, the church was always more kind. So, you take that figure: eight hundred and sixty people were killed during the Inquisition over two hundred and twenty years. You do the math, but I want you to know that 860 people over a period of 220 years, 860 people, 220 years, it's not good. But that would be a bad day for Stalin and Mao Zedong, a bad day in the killing fields of Pol Pot and Adolf Hitler. So in addition to some black eyes, and we can be honest about those black eyes, we also have some historical heroes and movements. And, and today I want you to know that when anybody speaks of Mother Teresa and, 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 and you give a bad view of her like Christopher Hitchens did, you lose respect. Why? Because they gave their entire lives to helping the human condition. And then we also see that throughout history, what was the movement, especially in, in Western civilization, that, that laid behind the advancement of education, medicine, and, and science, and just about everything else? It was the church, starting with monasteries in about the second century, spreading all over Europe. This is where people went to learn. This is where we learned the science of genetics. Uh, this is where we later got through medicine. We, we later got uh, hospitals, St. Joseph's, St. Luke's. I'm waiting for St. Jim's. But this may happen soon, okay? It was the Christian movement that kept this going. And nothing has had a deeper, more, more lasting influence on Western culture than the church and the movement of God. So we have several black eyes, but friends, we have heroes. And our culture, our commerce have continued to thrive as the church has thrived and the kingdom has expanded. So whenever the kingdom expands, you find that it, that, that it penetrates some other worldviews and, and it irritates those opposite worldviews. And the power structures that it's irritating, whether it be kings or priests or parliaments, or today I would say we are really irritating the media. 
and, and I use the media with much thought. It is a power structure. Uh, whenever it is, it is confronting those and penetrating them, understand there are going to be accounts of oppression. So, in light of that, what should our strategy be? How do we sort of help uh, God's kingdom expand? How do we present our worldview in a way that, that, that has an effect? Not that it will you know, ever stop all persecution or oppression, but what are, the, what are the things we do best? Number one, probably it is best that we understand where our power lies. It has been true that sometimes wars have been started over Christian principles or people claiming to be Christians. But in general, Christian armies have not been effective, even when they win. When I say that, I mean if you're part of the defeated cause and you're walking around saying, oh, those Christians beat us again. What are the chances of you converting? I mean, really converting. Uh, Zero is as low as I can go, but it's probably lower than that. When we get involved in armies that we say are Christian armies, it hasn't worked well, even when we win. But there are other ways in which we demonstrate power. I'm going to go to uh, Acts chapter 5. And I want you to see, here is where uh, the church first begins to penetrate uh, the established Jewish culture and Jewish government and Jewish faith. And it, it finds opposition. Now, this is the second time after Christ's uh, death and execution and, and resurrection. It's the second time the uh, establishment has tried to persecute these young apostles. Well... I begin at uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Oops, no. How about verse 12? The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. What are they doing? What they are doing is they are entering the human condition and helping people in the misery that they find themselves. What they are doing is not forming an army, but instead making a commitment And what power are they showing? Showing the power of God. Not through armies, but through sort of one-to-one, group-to-group sort of power. So uh, from the very beginning, they find people coming and people, as they are healed, continue to come because they are healed and delivered. And their lives are restored and all they can say is nobody else could do it. God does it. God's power is most visible when it helps individuals in their human condition. I prayed for healing, and I prayed over people for healing. I, I can't say that that works all the time. But I can say this, whenever I show up to help somebody in their misery, God is preached. I go there because I believe God is the one who has the power. And sometimes the power that I show to them is just learning how to live with what's going on in their lives, giving them insight. And I get that from God. So where God is, his power is. And I try to show up in the midst of the suffering. Now, let me go on to verse uh, 17, because it says this, uh, then the high priest, again, the, the culture they were penetrating, the, the worldview, and all his associates who were uh, members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. Why? Because they were healing people, the apostles, and the Jews were not. Um, they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. 
So one of the best ways that this, you know, you see how do we stop, uh, how can we irritate and show opposition, was we'll throw them in jail because we're the power structure and they are not. So they're thrown in jail, but once again, the power of God shows up. Verse 19 says, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Now, supposing you're a, a materialist. In other words, only physical, that's the only thing that really exists. And, you know, physical material. Uh, the lock failed. <laughs> Terrible lock. we got to get that lock fixed. Okay. Or supposing um, you're a humanist. Oh, some prison guard who was sympathetic uh, left, it, left it undone. It was human action. This just comes right out and says it because the angel not only let them out uh, and brought them out, but he tells them more. So once again, where is power displayed? It is displayed when God helps people in their human condition, but also when he protects his people for the purpose of advancing the kingdom. Disciples are performing miracles There's, uh, for those suffering and, 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 and as a reward uh, for helping people who are in deep need, the political power uh, powers place them in jail. Our worldview tells us that spiritual beings exist and the angel comes to release them. Now, if I was released in a miraculous way by God, I would count it as a sign to get out of Dodge. You are released, you are free, now go save yourself by running away. But this angel springs them and so that they can go back to the temple grounds and preach Jesus Christ. Well, here's what it says. Uh, now the angel then told them, go stand at the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life. Well, Think about that. I mean, if you're in just a self-protective worldview, you go, we're just going to get in jail again and they're going to punish even harder. We believe that God steps in beyond the materialistic limits and proves through that that he exists. We believe that there is a power beyond human power that serves the purposes of God and expands his kingdom. God shows his power and the result is people believe. The second thing you find this church doing, you find in Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 2, and you find it continually throughout the book of Acts and through all of Paul's writings, it says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. It's not so much the sharing, but the fact they said, my life is not so important that I have to protect it. I want to give of myself freely to you, that's called agape love, not asking for anything in return. The love that God shows us through Jesus Christ. Well, um, the, the Christians, the early Christians were known for their passion, but also for their unselfishness. They met each other's needs like we would expect uh, only family to do. And it was said of them, therefore, how they love one another. And that's how they got the term little Christ, not just because of what they were saying about Jesus, but because they lived like Jesus. So they helped those beyond their circle too, not just one another with such devotion that it was the love they displayed that pointed many to Jesus. Swords and arrows and cannons and bombers have never been effective in promoting the love of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean there won't be wars or we won't participate in them. But once again, defeated people make terrible converts. 
but people who have been shown how much God loves them through the love of other Christians. Friends, that sticks. It is in their minds. I didn't lose. I won. The next weapon we have is truth. Look at, look at this, where God's kingdom expands by declaring God's eternal truth. A good humanist believes that truth is relative. And so uh, what, what really counts is what the people that, that you are with, what they believe is what, what, what truth is. Uh, the postmodern view is truth is not what someone says, but truth is what you hear. What do I mean by that? That means if you read the Bible, whatever you take out of it is truth. It's your truth. What we say is if we read the Bible or I read the Bible to you, there are things in there that are truth that aren't just around for the next season, but have been around for eternity. So the disciples are told and reminded, first of all, we told you never to talk about Jesus again, and you, there you go, you're talking about it. And if you don't stop now, it's going to get worse for you. And this is the second time they said this, we must obey God rather than man. And they look at their religious leaders who arrest them, and they speak God's truth. Look at this here. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead. That's truth. Whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. That's truth, but it could have been anybody in a power position. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of the sins of Israel. Of sins to Israel. Wow. We must obey God. Our truth revolves around the one truth. Jesus Christ is God's one and only Son, and Jesus Christ is our only Savior. Therefore, there is no other name but the name of Jesus by which a man can be saved. Materialists call the whole subject irrelevant because salvation doesn't exist. Humanists say Jesus was just a great person, but certainly not God. And pantheists would call Jesus as God's only son just too exclusive. He was just another expression of of the universal spirit. Some debate, others ridicule, some legislate uh, against Christian uh, Christian supremacy, and, and, and others persecute. And that will continue to go on. But by applying threats and beatings and martyrdom... They believe that what they are doing is eliminating, not limiting Christian, but eliminating the Christian worldview from their culture. They can't do that. It never has worked. So understand that through uh, both, uh, you know, love, truth, uh, and, and then we get on to persecution. As you look at persecution, they whipped the apostles and said they called the apostles in, had them flogged, and, th- and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. We told you again. Um, I got two warnings at home. And, and then I got physical punishment. Okay, I mean, that's just the way it went for me. And this is how they're treating the Christians. So as they're telling them that, they say, okay, now we're going to whip you and maybe you will learn. Well, unfortunately, they were told by the angel. Now, who are you going to believe? Told by the angel to go out and preach Christ. This is what it says as the chapter ends. The, um, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So I guess the beatings didn't work. In fact, it only spurred them on. 
they consider themselves worthy to suffer similar to Jesus. Persecution is going on. Uh, currently in the city of Mosul in Iraq, that was the center of 100,000 Christians, and we do not know what's happened to them since they've been taken over by ISIS. There is not getting, we're not getting any news of whether they were able to escape or what. But even here, when Nick Donna visits Vietnam, is to encourage the Bible-preaching pastors of that country. And, and as he goes out with the Bible-preaching pastors, he notices, and the pastors notice, that they're being followed by the state police. Yet here's what happens in persecution. The Russian communists learned an important lesson in, in as early as 1928. Uh, the minister of education for the communist Russia uh, said this, Christianity is like a nail. The harder you hit it, the deeper it goes. But the nail's still there. The nail's still there. It goes from warnings to beatings, just not too much longer. Acts chapter 8 with Stephen, who will not shut up. It says, they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, whom we know as Paul. So it goes all the way to martyrdom. Now, I want you to know this. I, I pray none of us are, ever have to be martyrs. I mean, you don't, I don't want you to take a number and wait your turn. More than that, uh, I doubt if many people who have died for the cause of Christ uh, um, really look forward to it. Okay? We, all of us would hope to die serving Christ and dying of old age. But when they were asked, stop, change your faith, be imprisoned or died, they say we must obey God rather than man. So what are we left with? Well, we're left with this promise. Paul says to Timothy, all who wish to live godly lives will be persecuted because we are always confronting the other worldviews. Sometimes it's just ridicule, uh, but, but other times it gets really hurtful. But we are not without help or hope. And let me just leave you with these, these three thoughts of what some of our help and hope are. Um, and understand, uh, the first thing I'm going to give you, two of the other worldviews say, you know, it just, it doesn't exist. I mean, there, there's no, there's no correlation. There's, there's no effect. So our first great weapon is the weapon of prayer. And for a materialist and a humanist, Prayer has no effect because there's no God. For them to say, for me to say to a a humanist or or materialist, I'll pray for you, they they will give me that funny look like, so what? So what? But I say it anyway. (laughs) Why not? What are they going to do? Kill me? Not yet. Okay. But, and, and then, uh, understand that for a pantheist, when we talk about prayer, all prayer is for inner peace, you know, the, the lessening of internal desire so that there's less evil in the world. But we pray to an almighty God who we have proven over the centuries acts. He answers prayers. And when we say to him, Lord, please spare those people in Mosul. And I encourage you to continue to pray for them. And I encourage you to pray for, uh, uh, you know, that man, Saeed Abedini. Pray for him. Because God loves to hear your prayers and he loves to answer them. The second thing is we live in a government which still 
in some ways, respects the Judeo-Christian worldview. It's not that they do everything we want, but they realize that human rights are important and freedom of religion is important, and therefore they are applying pressure to stop the persecution of Christians where they can. Our government knows how to speak with financial ways. If you don't let them go, there's no more aid. And people listen. And each of us has the power of Christian to love in every situation we face. When we love others, people notice. When we love those in need who aren't in our circle, who aren't Christians, people are always asking, why are you doing this? The answer is easy. You matter. You matter to God and you matter to me. You're important not just to me, but you're important because God says you're important. And once again, Jesus begins to look very good to those who have come from that other worldview. And they realize nobody, nobody has a better view of me than the Christian. Nobody. So pray, love, truth, all of these. These are what you apply in every situation you're in. And friends, pray. Please pray. Let's pray. Lord, Genesis 1 to 11, about worldviews. Genesis 12 to 25, about Abraham, who was called your friend. In that special relationship he had with you, it shows him often listening to you, and then it shows him very often talking to you. Lord, where we are confronting other worldviews that are in power, we want to be so close to you that it shows. And we want to be praying in a way in which your power will be demonstrated. Right now, we pray for the isolated believers in Mosul. And we pray that they will be spared. We pray for those who are demonstrating in Hong Kong, knowing that many of them are Christians. And we pray that the government will listen. We pray for Miriam that you will continue to let she and her family flourish. And for Saeed that he will get out of prison alive and restored to his family. Lord, we can bring all of these things to you. All of them. Because we have a worldview that says you are alive, you exist, and you are almighty. You care for us, and you care for us in our human condition. And you act. Lord, we pray, act now in these situations. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.